This is the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast, and I am Mike Riccio, longtime personal trainer, professional strength coach, gym owner, and most importantly, a devoted modern father and husband. I've been fortunate to learn under some of the most intelligent minds in health and fitness over the past 15 years, as well as work with amazing clients and athletes. What I've most fallen in love with over the years is the power we have over our lives, the power to decrease risk of disease and injury, the power to reach our true potential, the deep abilities the body is capable of when all aspects of health are working simultaneously. On this podcast, you will learn the importance of preventative health and how to optimize your habits to optimize your life. All right, listeners, we are on today with Donna Burke. Donna is the owner and founder of Particle Products, a supplement line made specifically for women. Donna is a long-term athlete playing soccer from a very young age. Throughout her athletic career and then her career as a health specialist, Donna realized some major discrepancies in the fields of not only supplements, but also clothing lines when it comes to things made specifically for women. This is what inspired Donna to start her own company. Things like caffeine intake, protein intake, the specific ingredients that are supposed to go in to female products to avoid major side effects. Donna made it her mission to make sure there was a safe line that truly helped women. And now she's doing great things outside of the supplement line itself. Give this episode a listen. I know you'll enjoy it. Please don't forget to rate and review. And as always, let me know what you think. All right, listeners, we are live. We are here with Donna Burke. Donna, thank you for being on today. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. It's so exciting. I'm really excited to talk to you. I've been looking forward to this call. It's it's a lot of the 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 deeper look at at well supplements and our work in female sports. And there, there's a lot of deep things I want to get into today. But before we do that, maybe a quick just background on you. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Donna Burke. I am born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. So a little Southern Belle over here, but um, I've done a lot of things over the last 15 years within the sports and fitness industry. And most recently I created Particle Products, which is the first and only collection of sports nutrition supplements that's actually formulated for women. Um, Prior to that, I owned a fitness studio and I had an activewear store. There was a lot of stuff going on, but, um, but my degree in exercise science helped me get to the point where I could formulate something to give women something in the market that wasn't really for them. It's fantastic. So before we get to the the supplement line, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, maybe you and some of your health habits and then you as a, as a business owner. So, you know, you, you were a college athlete, correct? I know you played at FSU. Is that correct? So club, not varsity at FSU because they were like, Olympians. Um, but I did play club and we traveled around and played different universities. So I did play all the way through college. Um, and then even post-college a little bit in like adult rec leagues, because I just love soccer, love sports. So, um, I've been in sports and dance and fitness for my entire life, basically. (laughs) You know, I think it's noteworthy for those that hear club and maybe don't, don't realize what club is. I went to a D one school where I, we did a lot of work with the the club rugby teams and and club soccer team, uh, female soccer team. They are just as dedicated athletes. They are amazing athletes that do everything that the the varsity team does, from from practices to dedicated time in in the weight room. So I guess I don't separate the two very often because I've seen just how dedicated 
you as an athlete are. What I'm curious about is, you know, before you got into the, the professional you are today, the health professional you are today, what was your outlook on health and exercise as a young athlete and how maybe has it changed, you know, going into adulthood? You know, as a young athlete, and I started dancing when I was probably eight years old and then got into soccer around 12. As a girl in sports, it was a little more difficult because there was kind of that mindset of girls don't play sports, girls dance. So I begged my parents to let me play soccer like my brother did. And finally they gave in. And originally they were like, girls don't play sports. And I was like, well, there's like that girl, Mia Hamm. She's like, she plays sports. So like (laughs) girls have to play soccer as kids. Um, So my parents finally let me do it. And once I got into it, it it honestly changed my life Um, because sports ended up teaching me everything I needed to become a businesswoman. There were 5 a.m. workouts when I got to high school, as well as after school workouts. It was something that taught me that whatever needed I needed to do, I had to do it in order to succeed. And, but at the same time, I definitely saw that there were huge differences between the female athletes and the male athletes, just in the way that they were treated, talked about. And generally, even the Uniforms are the products that we got as high school athletes. We got the hand-me-downs from the boys team. Um, The boys got all the brand new uniforms every year, which is funny because the girls won state every year and the boys never made it playoffs. So it was kind of backwards in the thinking. And we still see that in women's professional sports today where the men get paid to lose, the women don't. So it's just this kind of ongoing message that I felt my entire life that women have always been seen as secondary, if not kind of an afterthought. Yeah. So as, as a female athlete growing up, it was really driven home that I wasn't as good as the boys, but I did have a coach who specifically told us, you are not girl soccer players. They are not boy soccer players. You are all soccer players. I don't want to hear the excuses. We're all going to train together and you're going to learn how to play with the boys. Cause yeah, they might be older than you. They might be bigger than you, faster than you, stronger than you, but you have to figure out what you can do in order to beat them. And that is something that I think taught me a lot about just life in general. It's all about your strengths, not what everyone else is doing, because you can all get to the same place in different ways. And it was huge to hear that. And also as a girl in sports to see that someone actually valued us as just athletes. You know, I, and, and one, what just a great life message in general. Like we all have to find our place. We have to find our niche. We, we kind of have to find our way. We can use excuses or we can find our way to success. But, you know, I, I want to go back to, even back to your childhood. For those that don't see the short video clips of this, who are just listening, in my mind, you are way too young for that to have still been the opinion you know, the, the girls don't play sports, you know, and, and I, and I mean that, I guess, as an acknowledgement of of your right and how unfortunate that was. And, and also how great it was that you, you kind of pushed through and insisted that you should play and, you know, and and became, you know, a a new standard, but it is a shame. It's a shame that that stuff still exists. And we'll get into some specifics just from the difference of the supplements and clothing and shoes. But yeah, I I guess I just wanted to make that, that note. It's really, is a shame that at at your age, you're, you're not, we're not, you're not 80 on this podcast. Tell me about how things were. 
You are young <laughs> and this is new. To, and as- to clarify, I'm yeah. 35. So <laughs> right, I'm not yeah. like, I'm not ancient. I'm, I'm not like, it's, it's crazy to me to think that the millennial generation was one of the first like generations to have products made for women. Yes. That's yes. nuts. Yeah, it is nuts. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm 36. We're 36. We're the same age. And you're right. We had, we had two boys basketball teams to the one girls basketball team. We had just, I mean, just from an interest standpoint or maybe a parental allowing standpoint, like you went through, there was definitely less. If you, if you noticed no other difference at our age, when we were young, it was just that there were more opportunity for, for oh, the boys absolutely. sports at the time. Absolutely. 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 You know, so now you, you progress, you, you, you have a college career where you get to keep playing and now you start to notice more specific differences. You know, what, what were some of the first things you noticed, you know, and maybe we can go deeper into the cleats and the uniforms, but um, I know the cleats was a big one that you've noticed and still notice. Right. I mean, to this day, and I think I just found out that there's one company in the world. They're based out of Australia. Um, I believe they launched like 18 months ago. They're the only company that makes soccer cleats for women when what, like it's, 2022 people like the the fact that uh nike and adidas don't actually make cleats or shoes for women's feet they just as they call it in the industry pink it and shrink it make it pink make it smaller the women will buy it which i think is hysterical because i don't know if you i I mean i don't know i don't think women are that dumb anymore i don't think women were ever that dumb they were never (laughs) no no they sure no no, quite the opposite. I think men have been right. dumb. Men have been dumb for a long time. <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but oh, no, but I'll say it. I'll say it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just crazy to think the disparity of while women are 70 percent of the buying power in the household, yes. they don't have things made for them, and we just over the years have said, okay, well, this one seems to work best for me, but I still have all these issues with whatever it may be. I mean, like I said, with our high school soccer uniforms, we ended up rolling sports three or four times and having to pull the strings all the way tight and tie them in a knot so they wouldn't fall down during a game. Even the jerseys were so big, we had to roll them up and then tie them with ribbons in order for them to stay on. Like as an athlete, how can you play at your top levels? Not even that, when you look at just society in general, women are constantly told to be smaller, take up less space, diet, diet, diet. And we want to be healthy. But when you're constantly told to be smaller, no matter what size you are, it what athlete is really performing at 100% if they're constantly dieting? That's right. I mean, that that's the difference between male and female athletes. Men are told to eat, get big, be strong. Women are told, mm, you might not want to eat that because if then you like lift heavy weights, you're going to get bulky and nobody's going to love you. And women do that. They stop, they stop focusing on their health in order to focus on their aesthetic. And then they're not able to live their life and have energy and do all of the things that they want to do at maximum capacity. Yes. You, I'd I, love to see women's yes. sports where women are fueling to hundred percent and see where it takes them. Absolutely. And, and going back to the second, you mentioned Mia Hamm. We have had since Mia Hamm through present day today, arguably, maybe not even arguably the most dominant American sports team is us women's soccer. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you can, if you find anything more dominating besides maybe a couple anomalies in swimming that, right. that are as dominating consistently 
as the U.S. women's soccer team is. And yet the the whole league is it's nuts to look at what the men get, what the women get. I mean, we sponsor the North Carolina Courage because one of my goals is to make sure that funds are put towards women's sports and that women's sports are getting what they need. But everyone says that, well, no one's going to watch women's sports. Well, if you choose Little League Baseball on ESPN over women's professional soccer, one of the highest grossing viewed sports on TV, of course, they're not getting any viewership because they're not on the channels that people are watching. People aren't watching Twitch for the women's soccer league um, games or the, um, what's it called? Uh, Oh, I can't remember. But uh, people aren't watching that. They're watching ESPN, maybe ESPN too. But once you get to ESPN three and off times of midnight, 1 a.m., you can't use the viewership argument because they're not there. So how can you watch them if they're not there? How can they get the ad dollars if they're not there for people to view? So for me, it's if we can bring all women's sports up, then we can also see, well, what can women do for viewership, for ESPN, for these big brands? There's so much that's untapped. And especially when you look at just the the numbers behind, I believe the last Women's World Cup where the U.S. was in the finals, they had more viewers than the World Series and the Super Bowl combined. And, 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 deserved, yet, and deservedly so. Right. And yet they don't get primetime play in their regular season. Oh. I, I had a conversation with my husband during the, once college football kind of ended, he's like, oh, there's not really any sports on TV. And I was like, oh, why not? And he was like, well, nobody's in season. And yet I was traveling to North Carolina to go to these professional women's soccer games. I was like, well, that's not true because women's soccer is in season. Women's basketball is in season. And he was like, uh, he realized he had kind of like stepped in it. And I was like, why aren't they playing it? Why aren't they playing these games? These games are exciting. (laughs) I was like, the women's games are far more exciting than the men's soccer games. But here we are. As a husband, as a husband, I'm, I'm realizing what he felt like as he realized the mistake he made. (laughs) You see her start to shut down. (laughs) It's it's one of those where when the second word is out of your mouth, you're trying to pull them back in and it's already, it's too late. You've already said it. But you get to learn something. So yes, yes, (laughs) yes. He should know better, but luckily you're probably the only person you'll forgive is is him. So, (laughs) right. Exactly. I might've been a little more harsh on maybe one of his friends or something. So yes. 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 I'm picturing my wife in the same situation. She'd be answering evenly. Yeah, you touched on the, the mental and the societal side. And it's, I think that's a crucial thing to talk about here because yeah. And as a strength coach, one, I will fully admit that I have worked way more with male than female, not on purpose, not because I say on my advertising, this is a, a male athlete facility, but it, I, I just tend to get more males, more, more than male sports teams, I just, I just came from a football session 10 minutes before we started this podcast. Okay. That's who reached out to me. So one, there's, there, there's just an issue right there too. I'd love to get more female athletes in. I have some, and the ones that have are amazing. And the ones that are in here, I don't separate the conversations. We talk about protein intake and water intake and rest the same yeah. as I do. There's no, everyone's in the same group as we talk together. I guess the, the point that I want to come back around to is uh, even if a strength coach is doing it right, there's still the societal challenge with female athletes because of image issues. 
Right. And that that stems, if anything, it probably stems more starting a little bit older, not too much older. Nowadays, kids are maturing faster than they used to. But high school and through college, I think I I see a lot where college, I think once you get to the pro and the Olympic level, you're pretty dedicated enough where you're you're in it and you're getting the best strength coaches that are probably doing things the right way now. Finally. But even in the college level, you're still getting the athletes that are torn between, Mm -hmm. between aesthetics and, and proper fueling. So I guess, you know, if you're going to talk to a young female athlete where, and I don't want to take the blame away from the coaches, that's not what I'm doing, but for the, for the young female athlete who maybe is torn internally between they're telling me to eat all this protein. I'm worried that I'm not going to look, call it feminine or attractive in my eyes. Where do you start with advice to those athletes? God, it honestly, it has to come from childhood to be completely honest with you, because what I think women realize is that it's ingrained into us from when we are very small, that we should look and act a certain way as well as we should eat a certain way. And my niece is three and a half. And I find myself, one, talking poorly about myself, which she hears. Um, But not only that, saying things like, this is a bad food, this is a good food, this is a bad thing. But why are we putting labels on these things? When I saw something on um, social media that was like, why are we explaining to children that foods are bad and good? Why aren't we explaining food to children in their nutritional capacity of... We eat bananas because they are full of healthy sugars and carbs and they give us energy. And that's a different thing than saying, oh, you shouldn't eat a banana because it's so high in sugar, Ridiculous. which is nuts. It's a fruit. Like, let's let's get over here. It's like, stupid. It is. I yeah. agree. Yes. If I hear one more person tell me that fruit is going to make me fat, I'm going to lose it. Um, <laughs> but right. it's it happens at a young age. And it's something that as children have come into my life, I don't have any of my own, but... I really have to think about that as I talk about things. And as I talk about her and sports, she's already into dance and gymnastics and just like the proper training levels, things like that. But as we get into teenage years, it's just drilled into us more and more, more and more. And it does come from the fact that a lot of coaches are male and they don't understand what young girls are going through. When a girl tells you that she doesn't feel well today, and that she's on her period and her cramps are so bad that she doesn't think she can practice. And a coach gets mad and yells at her. Well, you know, we need to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. Like yes. it actually is extremely painful. If you've ever seen the videos of men putting the um, <laughs> tens units on their stomachs and then turning up to period yeah. cramp levels, they look like they're about to pass out and die. And that's not even childbirth. That's just period cramps that happen every single month. And right. sorry for the listeners. I know we went there, period. <laughs> <laughs> Speak but, freely, get it. Yeah. Right. So we have to start talking about nutrition yes. really early on and not talk about it in a good food, bad food kind of way, because that is just putting things into boxes that when we start eating them and they're labeled as bad, we start feeling guilty. And that adds to that mental mental health of, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. But at the end of the day, we all have to live in a lifestyle that's fun for us too. We can't just constantly be eating proteins, carbs, fats, and leaving it in that box. Yes. Um, but 
when we get up into college age level, you know, one of the things when I was at Florida state, I was in athletic training for the first couple of years. And, um, they actually told us that we needed to look out for eating disorders within the female athletes, Mm -hmm. because not only did the coaches, and you have to realize that coaches are not nutritionists. Nutritionists are not doctors. Everyone has their lane and everyone needs to stay in their lane. So when coaches start giving nutrition advice, that's not who you need to listen to. You need to go to the team dietitian or find your own dietitian. And that's where you need to get your information. Because we found that a lot of the coaches were telling, say, some of the cross-country runners that if they lost another five pounds, that their hip motion would be more efficient and therefore they could run faster. Frustrating. Instead of telling them, if you eat better, you will have the energy and the strength to push your body. Instead, it was lose some weight, then you can be a better athlete, which is so backwards. So backwards and, and nonsensical. Non- exactly. Yes. But you're talking about someone who knew nothing about nutrition. I mean, honestly, I think, I mean, I was in college, I always get this wrong, 2005 to 2009, which is fairly recent. And I'm I'm not sure that they had a team dietitian. It really wasn't, nutrition wasn't a priority. It was strength training and getting recovery. Those were the two like main focuses. And you'd see the athletes in the school uh, cafeteria loading their plates up with just terrible food for them. Things that weren't helping their sport or their strength at all, but they didn't know. And now they have access to all these things. They have on-staff dietitians, things like that, because people have started to realize that nutrition is truly the key. Yes. The NSCA just came out with his first Nutrition for Athletes book. This is recent. I I, was last year, but I mean, 2019, 2020. Yeah. I've I've been, I've had my CSCS, my strength conditioning certification through the NSCA, uh, maybe the most respected physical certification there is since 2008. Wow. It's been that highly, re- you know, yeah, regarded as an organization. Yet the nutrition component from them directly didn't come out till, you know, till at least twelve years after I started with that. And they, and they right. were and they were popular since since before me. So you're right. I mean, and 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 still, I mean, I was in college. I didn't have a dietitian, male or female. We didn't we didn't have one as well. And to touch back on the the example about the cross country runner and speed, when you tell an athlete. It does weight matter in some sports it, to a certain degree. But when you just tell an athlete, if you lose five pounds, you'll be better. You know what's going to happen? They're going to crash lose that weight. Mm-hmm. They're going to they're drop muscle. They're going to drop tools they need for success. Efficiency is going to drop. Tissue efficiency is going to decrease. There's so much negative that can happen when you give a blanket statement like, we'll just drop weight and things will be better. Right. I mean, what, what is the weight? Where's it coming from? You have no idea. Correct. Correct. So it's, it's a total backwards way of thinking to think that losing weight or being smaller is going to be, make you a better athlete, but then that pressure from society of even for professional athletes of, well, your advertisers are looking for this. Right. And then you look like this, add some Photoshop, add everything else. And you constantly are wondering okay, well, if I don't stay looking like this, then will I get the endorsements that I need in order to succeed? I mean, we all remember Serena and Venus Williams coming up in the 90s. Yep. And 
everyone, the headline story, every time they won was something about how they looked like men because they weight trained. Do Serena and Venus look like men? Absolutely not. Did they have muscles that allowed them to become the greatest athletes of all time? Yes. And that is the proof in the pudding of they fueled themselves, they exercised, they made their bodies strong for their sport and look where it got them. Right. And that should become the example. Mm -hmm. It's it's the example, it's not the exception. Right. And yet people still discount what they did. People still say that they're manly. And it's, okay, well, how about you get out there and play Serena in tennis? Like, tell me, does it matter what she looks like? No. <laughs> no, no. You know what the last thing I'm going to think about as that ball is going whizzing past my head and I can't make contact with it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> about how much I am scared and I don't want to be on this court anymore. That's that's exactly. what I'm going to think about when I'm a student. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's, uh, you're right. It, ideally, it has to start from childhood. And I, and I think... I hope, I hope there's more, you know, strength coaches and and teachers like you and I out there that are spread this word for the next generations. I do think it's in the right direction. I, but I still think it's a shame. So you're right for the athletes that are already, already in high school and college, you you gotta, you almost, it's a little bit of luck. You gotta hope you run into the right coaches that are really able to Mm -hmm. manage something like this, because just like not every coach is, has a nutrition background. Surely that same coach probably doesn't have a psychology. Oh yeah. So it's, 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 it's tough. It's, it's really tough for, you know, again, speaking as a coach, it can be tough to regulate that and know you, you got to go outside your, you can't go outside your scope. I mean, no, you got it. You can't. And how do you find the right help when things are outside of where you can really successfully help an athlete? Right. Absolutely. It's about building that network of people that can really get down to the nitty gritty of each individual section, especially if someone is serious about sports and wants to be a college or professional athlete. It's so important that they understand that mental health portion of it because the stress that your body and your life is under is unreal. And you've got to be able to handle that. Um, And then just from an everyday standpoint, I know that even for me, I work out five to six days a week and the mental capacity of doing the full-time job, getting up and trying to get it in. I don't even have kids. I Sometimes when I'm having a bad day, I lose it on my dogs. I'm like, do not follow me around this house. <laughs> I, I don't know how people kind of do it all. And it's it's crazy to ask someone to do it all. And we have to respect that mental capacity of, you know what, I need to get this exercise in. And not because I need to lose five pounds, but because I know that after I do it, my mental state is going to be better. My 100%. physical and yes. well-being is going to be way better. Yes, uh, 100%. And, and just and going back to the referral thing a little bit, I, I am stronger with the team around me. I have a local PT, a local chiropractor that I refer out to. Yes. We are on the same page. We work well together. They are not under my roof. We are not, we do not co-own any business together. It is strictly of, of what's best for the client. It's better off for the client. And people don't understand that it's, it's better for you to be able to say, I don't know, but here's who does than the opposite. People take that as such a sign of weakness when that couldn't be farther from the truth. Right. Absolutely. And even when I had my gym that I owned, I had a list of therapists that I would recommend to people anything from eating disorders to relationship therapists to marriage counselors, anything that when you started see some to see someone come. And, you know, I always laugh because at the gym, 
Um, it was a group fitness studio. So I actually saw those women five to six times a week. I saw them more than I saw my families. I saw them more than I saw my friends. Sometimes I saw them more than I saw my husband. And you end up having this intimate relationship with these people and you know what they're like on a good day. You know what they're like on a bad day. And as you start to see them coming in and getting more and more down and down and down in themselves, I felt that it was my responsibility to kind of pull them to the side and say, hey, are you doing okay? And it was just that simple question where people, honestly, the number of times people broke down in my studio and said, no, I'm not. I think my husband's going to divorce me or I think I'm going to get fired or something. And it just, we all need to take it into account that not every day is the same. Not everyone is going through a good portion of their life and we need to have avenues for them to get themselves back to a healthy place because they're never going to be healthy if they're head is not in a good spot. So I always had a list of therapists along with my chiropractors, physical therapists, dietitians, nutritionists, all the things to get them where they needed to be. Yes. It is a team approach. Sport, most sports, not all sports, most sports are team sports and they're better as a team. The, the, the training side of it is no different. We are, we are mm -hmm. better as a team when everyone is an expert. Yep. You know, if we move on to the supplement side. Yeah. So, you know, you, you have this fantastic brand and I've looked more into it since we last talked, but, you know, if you could talk through maybe some of the specific differences you noticed, you know, male to female specifically, um, in supplements, um, before you, maybe even before you started your company, what, what kind of sparked the need for, for what you started? So, like I said, I owned a gym. Um, I used to teach three, four classes a day, um, which meant that I needed to eat like an athlete. I needed to be fueling myself to make sure that I had the energy to get through those classes. So when I couldn't get it through my regular diet, I started supplementing with protein powders, pre-workouts, recovery, all these things. But when I started taking the products, I mean, I ran through so many different brands because I kept getting these side effects that I just did not understand. And I wasn't in the industry. Um, I am a nutritionist, so I just knew that I needed to, if I needed more protein, an easy way to get it was through a protein powder. So I'd, you know, you'd read the label, you'd make sure it was good quality, all that stuff. But I never stopped to think, and I ended up just taking the same stuff that my husband was taking because um, it was easier to buy for both of us. And it was pretty good, but he was fine. He loved it. And I would take the protein powder and then I would look six months pregnant because I was so bloated and I would feel nauseous because it just didn't hit right, but I needed the protein. So I continued to take it and then I needed the energy. So I would take the pre-workout and I felt like a psycho. I, my body was on fire, but I was like, this is just what it is. Like I talked to the people, all the girls in the studio. I talked to my friends. Yeah. That, I feel that too. It's totally fine. Like, it's just what it is. It's whatever the ingredients are. And I was like, nobody thinks this is weird that we feel this terrible when we take this stuff. So I just stopped taking it all together, which did not do anything for my body. Um, you know, you try to consume it in a whole food way, but sometimes you just can't physically eat that much. Mm -hmm. And my studio closed due to COVID in 2020 and I was hired on to create a sports nutrition brand. And, um, when I started looking around at the industry and looking at the ingredients, and then I started talking to the research and development team and just simply asking the questions that I'd asked my friends, 
why do I feel terrible when I take this stuff? And the answers that I got were, what are you talking about? And I was like, I, I feel like terrible. And then some of the women in R&D were like, yeah, like the days that we spend tasting protein in here, I'm so bloated by the time I get home. I feel so sick that I can't even eat dinner. And I was like, wait, you guys feel like that too. And the guys were like, again, what are you guys talking about? And I said, we have all these side effects, but why? And again, I had no background in sports nutrition. Um, I have a degree in biology with a specialization in exercise science and chemistry. I'm a nutritionist and a personal trainer. So I have the background in it, but even I was like, why? I don't understand. And as we continued to talk about it, I said, are any of these products made for women or are they just labeled for women? And that was the light bulb for the entire kind of R&D team. Everyone was like, well, we've never had anyone like question it. And I said, okay, so the industry started what, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, and we're still using the same formulations that were made for male bodybuilders in the 80s and 90s. Like we haven't come far enough. Like, of course, some of it has changed and science has gotten better, but nobody's thought that women might need something. And then, you know, you start doing the research and you realize that Nike shoes aren't made for women. You realize that a lot of stuff isn't made for women. Even doses of pharmaceutical medication is actually dosed for men, not for women. So it's interesting when you start diving into it. And like I said, this is something that I've been passionate about since I was a teen. And since that coach told me that there's no difference between you and him, like, except for the fact that he's bigger, stronger, faster, all these things, like physically you are different, but there shouldn't be any difference between you fundamentally because you're both people. So I started asking them, Uh, Well, I started actually diving through all of the medical research journals and all of the exercise science research that was done specifically on female athletes, Um, which to be honest, um, another one of my goals is to fund some research done solely on female athletes because there's not a lot of it. It's only been done really in the last five to 10 years because it's too difficult to do studies on women because we have periods. So they choose not to do it and they add one or two women to a medical study or an exercise science study on these products and they treat them as if they are a man. They can't be on their period. They can't be on birth control, all of these things to make sure that their hormones are, hormones are supposedly normal. So we're not getting the reality of what female athletes or women in general are going through. So when I started reading through the actual research done solely on females, it was very enlightening. So something as small as the dose of all the things in these products. So men can typically process 25 to 35 grams of protein within three hours. Women can only process up to 20 grams of protein. If you eat more than that within that three hour period, you're just going to excrete it out. You're going to pee it out. Um, so there's no point in having more than that in a three hour period because it's a waste, but most of the products on the market and protein for men are 25 to 40 grams. So when you're talking about women taking that, sure, you can take a half scoop, you can do this, but I mean, are you getting more or less? Who knows at that point, it's not actually dosed properly still. 
Not only that, pre-workouts, the amount of beta alanine in there, uh, which causes that skin tingle feeling, it was about 3.6 to 4 milligrams, which is an insane amount for a woman's body. Uh, So we dropped it all the way down to make it that you still get the effects of it, but you don't have to have those side effects. Sure. And then something as small as a lot of research is starting to show that women process protein with fats while men process protein with carbs. So the fact that we were eating these protein powders that didn't have any fats built in, they were strict isolate protein, which has no fat content and also has carbs built in. Typically they added sugars or some kind of carb in there to make sure it metabolized better. That's what's making us bloated. We're not processing it. It's sitting in our stomach longer so that it's trying to break down and then trying to find a way to get out. So we reformulated all of that where we blended the protein to be isolate and concentrate based. So it has an innate fat content built in. So little changes, which aren't revolutionary, but somehow have become revolutionary um, to where we don't get those side effects. And we are able to supplement our whole food diets with these products and get to where we need to be. So with the protein, uh, and, and correctly, if I'm wrong, it's the same rules for whole foods as supplements. Proteins, right. proteins digest better with fats for females and carbohydrates for males. Yes, yes. And I, and I clarify because it was always taught, and I've, and I've admittedly used these lines in the past of post-workout carbon protein. Right. And you still need the carbs. Of course you do. Your body yeah. still needs that energy, but women yeah. should add a little bit of fat in there. Right. And men have been told, everybody was told to your point, because the research was done on men, that's the time of day to avoid the fat, do the right. carb and the protein. So if, right. if every human was following that, half of our population, the female population would actually have been done a disservice all of these years, even on the whole food side, not just on the supplement right. side. Exactly. Um, and just that balance of getting it all in for women, we've got, yeah, we've got to change the, the way we talk about it. But again, this research is new, so you can't really fault people for that. And it's going to change as we continue on it. The fact that, yeah, research wasn't done on women. I mean, one woman in a study of 10 people, that's not really giving you a lot of information and you can't fault people for not knowing because the research is only just coming out. And once we can get more and more research and get funding to the universities who are doing amazing exercise science research, we really can change women in sports, women, female, everyday life for women. I mean, every woman that you talk to, the first thing they'll tell you is I'm exhausted. Right. And it's because we probably don't know exactly what women need in order to fuel their body a hundred percent. Right. Because the research just isn't there. Well, and if you combine that with the societal issues we've talked about before of, of under-eating for, for what they believe are aesthetic reasons, you have, you have the perfect storm of, of malnutrition. And oh, this is, absolutely. This is, yeah. It's, I would say that most women are in some version of malnutrition. Um, yeah. They're just, they're not eating balanced diets. I always, and what we preach with Particle is that lead with whole foods. Supplements are exactly what they are called, supplements. They are to supplement your regular diet. And it's become very backwards in the 
industry when it's targeted towards women, protein shakes are marketed as meal replacements, not protein shakes. They're not supplements anymore. We're told that they are to replace our food. You cannot do that. You cannot just eat a protein shake and think that you've had a meal. That's absolutely ludicrous. You have to eat a well-balanced diet. And then as you're looking at it and you're seeing, you know what? I'm not able to get in the protein that I need every day in the three meals that I'm eating. I need to find a different way to add some in throughout the day. Because like we said before, it only processes within that three hours. So if you're loading it into three meals, you're still not getting all that you need. It has to be spaced out throughout the day, um, which a lot of people don't realize as well. Um, But you have to use these products as supplements. We cannot continue to use them as meal replacements. If you wonder why you're tired, that's why. Yes. Yes. And it, and it, inconsistency too. When one day looks one way and one day looks another way, the body never finds any, anything to really anchor onto. It's, and the body really likes consistency and everything. Absolutely. It likes to go to mm-hmm. sleep at the same time. It likes to wake up at the same time. It likes to know when energy is coming. So, yeah, and this has become a more complicated process too, when you add the, the more recent popularity of fasting to the mix. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, for my virtual group, I just recently did a video about fasting and how absolutely powerful the tool it can be, but how usually abused it is. Mm-hmm. And the fine line between fasting and malnutrition, under eating and anorexia at some point point. Oh yeah. and how fasting is, and I, I don't want this to become a tangent, but you know, fasting has become this thing we do to make up for meals. Well, if I had a big Thanksgiving dinner, I just won't eat tomorrow. If I'm about to eat a big birthday dinner tonight, well, I just won't eat the whole day leading up to it. And how much that messes us up. So if we go back to uh, the differences between male and female, hormonally, those are going to affect male and female very different as well. So I think when you combine societal pressures, the, the tools like fasting being popularized in a positive way, yet then used in a negative way. This is where you need the professionals to step in. This is where you go back to your point about staying in your lane and knowing your scope, because it is, it is more complicated than people want to give it credit for. Right. And then you've got all of the quote unquote experts on social media where you've got influencers being paid to promote fasting and you've got buzzwords like intermittent fasting. And I lost 20 pounds intermittent fasting. Well, that's just a fancy word for skipping breakfast. So that's all you're doing. You're skipping breakfast, which you don't, you don't need to do. And it's, it's really, it's very difficult when you add in the marketing world and people making money off of people's insecurities and some would say flaws and pumping money into say influencers who don't know what they're talking about. And they just start this giant marketing machine around these things and everyone takes it as truth. And while we can and have access to so much information, people start to trust um, these social media people and you know, what are their backgrounds? So their, their title says doctor. What, what kind of doctor are they? Do, do they have a doctorate in English? Do they have a doctorate in marketing? And they're deciding that they're telling you because technically, yes, they are a doctor. So it's in their Instagram handle, but they're not a doctor of medicine or a doctor of nutrition or anything to do with it. So it's really interesting, especially to be on the brand side that, I really struggle with the fact that 
a lot of people want me to push this brand in a certain way. And I refuse to, because while I could capitalize on faster growth by making sure that people think that we are a weight loss brand and they can have these miracles happen, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to perpetuate what I have been living with for the last 35 years. It's time that we change the industry and the way that women are spoken to, and even men at this point, because I think it's starting to really affect young boys with eating and having a six pack and looking like actors and things like that. We've got to change that. And we've got to make sure that people are looking at respectable sources and brands that are pushing the right message. Good for you, because that's why you're going to be successful is because you're going to remain a trusted brand. And I think that's where, you know, I, I can't, I, I could probably list off five at the top of my head, you know, things that have happened with supplement companies over the years where we found out about mislabeling, we find out about like it's, and that has happened numerous times. Um, right. and I, won't, I won't name any brands now because it's just not necessary. You can Google these yourself, right. but, but it, it is things like yes. proprietary ingredients. What yes. are those? Like they just list, it's a proprietary ingredient. They don't have to tell you what's in it. Yes. Yes. It's nuts. Yeah. You know, you brought up, you know, young boys. And I, I think, unfortunately, from a societal side, I think instead of getting, I think for every better has gotten on the female side, I think it's actually gotten, I don't want to say worse, but I'm seeing more, someone that works with adults a lot, you see more of the male population now becoming, getting more image issues or, or just more willing to talk about it, right? which is maybe more. I bet it too. You know, a combination of both, and maybe more the case. Uh, you know, to be uh, to be honest, and you know, maybe it's more the case that men are just being pushed now towards mental health and talking about these subjects. But um, yeah, it just speaks of how much of an issue it is for both male and female, male and female, still. So you know, when you know, going back to your your supplement line, you know, where do people start? So people come to you, and you know, I, I've seen your page; it's a fantastic page. You know, where do you kind of start people? Because we've talked about the idea of eating as many whole foods as possible. You know, if, if someone's shopping on your line, how do you recommend that they shop properly? Right. So on our website, we do have a quiz that you can take that asks you, I think it's five or six basic questions just about your lifestyle, starting from how much you work out, what the intensity of your workout is, what your lifestyle is like, your age, um, things that we can look at and see what you need in your life. It also asks if you have any dietary restrictions, things like that. But also the thing that you need to do is that you also have to realize that it's up to you to personalize your nutrition. So we have the products to help you there and we can get you there to probably 70%. But past that, you need to look at your diet. And we also have some blogs that you can read all the information. There's even one on there where you can calculate the amount of protein that you need to be eating every day based on your activity level. So anything from you are sedentary, you sit at your desk all day and you work, and then you go home and you sit and you watch TV, it calculates from there all the way through to you are a professional athlete who works out six hours a day. So something as simple as making sure that you're finding that information for yourself. And we do try to make it easy for you where we are keeping it on our website. We're giving you all the information on how much protein you need, why it's different for women, what are BCAAs and how do they help you? Do you need caffeine for your workout? Do you feel good and you don't need to add a pre-workout? All of those different things where it's all about you. And you have to kind of really self-reflect and look at, okay, this is my lifestyle. And then a lot of times I do suggest that people, A, 
start with blood work and go to their doctor and start to see where they're deficient in vitamins, minerals, if they have high cholesterol, um, high blood pressure, all of those things, and then ask their doctors for a referral to a dietitian because a dietitian is going to be able to help you move those numbers via nutrition. They're going to be the ones that can put you on that healthy path. And then you can say, okay, well, I'm eating this, 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 and this. I'm still not getting enough protein, or I'm just super sore from my workouts. And that's where we come in. Then you add in the good quality protein that works for you. Then you add in the BCAAs that help you recover from your workout so you can exercise more. Different things like that. But I think it all starts with focusing on you personally because everybody is completely different. Somebody's cortisol levels must be maybe super high. I actually did this a few years ago and I realized the doctors actually called me back immediately when they got my blood work and they told me to come back to the office immediately because I needed a vitamin D shot because my vitamin D was so low. They had actually never seen numbers so low and they couldn't believe that I could get out of bed in the morning. And I was like, well, actually it's really difficult. I just, I just thought I was tired, but my vitamin D levels were so low that they made me come back to the office and get an immediate influx of vitamin D. Um, And now that I know that, I make sure that I keep an eye on it. And that was something that made me realize that I need to be doing this for myself and not just kind of making a assumption that I'm just like everyone else. So that's kind of my suggestion for people is use your annual physical to have the doctor run a little extra blood work and ask him to look at your vitamin levels, your um, fat content levels, all those things. There's so much science out there that can help you now. And there's so many specific facilities. I know in Atlanta, there's a place that they they focus specifically on this. And it's really great to see that they are able to change people's lives just via nutrition. Because again, doctors are doctors. They're there to tell you what the problem is and prescribe a medication. This is what they've been taught in school. If you don't want to go the medication route, you can look for a more natural path doctor or someone in the dietetics field who can help you change those numbers through nutrition. So that's my suggestion. <laughs> I, no, it's, it's, I, I love the approach. It's a, well, I want is just, it's the moral is the best approach. It's the most effective approach. Does it take more time? Sure. Yes. You know? Yes. But you know what? How many of us have started and restarted and started and restarted and tried new things and didn't work? We let years go by with no positive results or change in energy or mood anyway. Right. So maybe this time, slow it down. Do it right. right. My, my virtual Take a members. a couple extra months. <laughs> absolutely. You know, my virtual members, you know, this will sound familiar, but we, you know, we call it awareness week. And the, and the logic is you can't make changes on something if you don't truly know where you are. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's very basic. You know, it's, there's no advice here yet. It's just... How much do you eat? How many times a day do you eat? What is your sleep like? What's your average? How much water are you taking in? Track it for a week and just get an idea. And then I'm not giving monumental advice from here. It's you're just not drinking water. Can we, can we have some more water? You know, I'm not, I'm not pretending to be a dietitian. We're just merely saying these are, these are clear discrepancies that we know where change needs to happen. And then we can refer to the proper places. Then we can do the right things. But if awareness doesn't come first, it's really hard to make changes that are, that are odds are successful. Yes. 
I think tracking your food intake for a week is so important every six months Yes, just to see where you are. And there's so many apps that you can do it on that make it so easy. But I used to suggest that to my clients as well. And they would track what they ate. And then all of a sudden they would realize they were eating less than 1200 calories a day and wondering why they were tired. They were consuming a glass of water and six cups of coffee a day. And it was eye-opening. And the first time I did it, it was eye-opening too. I was like, oh, I'm not eating quite as much protein as I thought I was. Um, I need to kind of switch these numbers around. It just keeps you in check and keeps you kind of realizing that things ebb and flow, things change, but there's a way to check yourself and make sure that you are where you need to be. And it's pretty easy. It's I I love it because when people come in and say, I don't have to do that, I know. I know what I do. I know what my problems are. If they actually listen and do the log, they never, never in 16 years has someone come back and been like, it's exactly what I thought. It's someone, you always learn something about yourself and it's amazing. I also think it's interesting when people come back and say, well, I I, I can't eat more than 1200 calories. I can't do that. You're telling me to eat more. I can't, I'll gain weight. And then you look at a log and you're like, well, listen, yeah, you're eating 1200 calories or less three or four days a week. And the weekend comes and you're taking in like (laughs) 6,000 a day. So as much as you care about those calories, your average throughout the week is probably much higher than you think it is anyway. So you know what? Take some of those out from the excessive, take your bottom line up a little bit and just get, just get some consistent energy in. And, it's, and for the it's record- It's so I'm, funny that you yeah. say that. It's, it's hysterical. People would always say that to me. And I would say, well, Friday through Sunday, I mean, it's nuts. Like yes. your calorie intake is huge. And also Friday through Sunday- is almost half the month. Yes. Like it's 12 days a month. Like yeah, you're literally at 45% of the month and yes. you wonder why you're not seeing health results, weight loss, better, just energy, all those things. Well, yeah, that's, that's why. So once I started telling people that weekends are half the month, they were like, no, they're not. I, and I was like, <laughs> well, three times four is 12. An average month is like 30 days. 29, 30 days. <laughs> right. So half of 30 is 15. So there's only three days. They yeah. were like, oh my God, weekends make a huge difference. And yes. uh, it's funny, p- p- the weekends don't count thing. It's always my favorite. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you know, and I, it, it's so funny because I, I, I realize our weekdays seem long sometimes because we work, but but it doesn't make the, the time is the time. Um, you know, and to be clear on a few things, I don't, you know, I, I think a food log is good. Like you said, once right. every, once every quarter to six months is where it's beneficial for all, for every person that does it all the time. Now it's not that it helps. I think there's 10 other people where that's too much for. So, right. you know, I just want to regulate a few things. That I know we're talking about kind of freely that would make sure people get right. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's a big one. And, and we're also not saying don't enjoy the weekends. This is a rate. This is a ratio game. That's what we tell everyone to going back to one of your earlier points. There is no good or bad. There's, are we being excessive in certain ways where we shouldn't and are, and are we not getting enough? And and the motto here at this gym is add before you take out, Mm -hmm. add before you remove before you, when you can walk in and tell me, well, I have dessert every single night. I, I, not that I don't care about that, but before I ask you that, I was actually going to ask you how many vegetable servings you get in a day. Because because if you're not getting the tools in, you need, Nothing else matters. Right. It really does. You can remove, 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 but eventually it's your car needs gas. 
That's it. Eventually, yeah. eventually you got to put in the gas or it's not going anywhere. And I know my listeners are probably tired of my corny car analogies, but it, but it's true, <laughs> right? So eventually you got, you got to put it in first before you remove. So no one's saying don't have fun. No one's saying don't live with some indulgences. No one's saying quit alcohol. Right. What, what is the ratio that we are taking these, these things in versus the ratio of foods that we absolutely have to have to survive? Absolutely. Absolutely. So. I will say that I have a lot of fun, but Yes. I also try to keep it in check. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No one's taking pizza away from me permanently. Oh, you would have happen. to fight me. Yes. I know pizza is a number one food for me. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, it has to stay in the diet. I just don't have it every day. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Donna, this is awesome. Uh, where can people find you? So you can find us at products.com, which is P-R-T-C-L products.com. You can follow us on Instagram and all social media at Particle Products, P-R-T-C-L products. And yeah, anytime you need, have any questions, feel free to shoot a, an email through the website or through Instagram. Typically I am the one responding so you can get direct uh, feedback from me and I can give you any advice or lead you to some professionals that I also know too. Donna. Very cool. Everyone, please check out Donna and Particle Products. It is, I've been to the website. It is an awesome brand. Donna, thank you so much for being on today. Please stick around for a second. Everyone else, we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast. Find more episodes like this at www.lifestyleasmedicinepodcast.com and visit www.mar.com healthandperformance.com and at Mar Health and Performance on both Facebook and Instagram for more great content and information about programs. Have a great day and see you next time.